0: Welcome back to the Squidward Sports Podcast. I'm the host of this podcast. Lane Frank, we're now in episode 153. This is our 153 episodes through, and I got an action-packed episode planned for you. We'll be talking NFL playoffs, NFL head coaching carousel, NBA, great stuff going over there, college basketball in full swing, and the Australian Open, just started the first Grand Slam of the year for the tennis. Let's get into it. Action-packed episode 153. Let's start off episode 153, how we always do with our headlines in the NBA. Joel Embiid, I talked about this last episode, but he's not going to get to those 65 games played, and when he doesn't get to those 65 games played, he's not going to be eligible to win any award, whether it's an All-NBA, whether it's an MVP. That's tough right there. He's not going to get to win any award. He'll be an All-Star, but when you look back on Joel Embiid's career, you think, well, he had an MVP season this year. He just didn't play enough games. So for the NBA, I don't love that new rule, the 65 games you have to play. I just don't like it at all. I guess they're doing it to protect low management, but I'm not a big fan of it, especially with what we're seeing from the Joel Embiid situation. John Morant, I didn't touch on this last episode, the Michigan National Championship episode, but John Morant out for the season with a torn labrum. Really tough right there for the Grizzlies and John Morant. How are they going to rebound? Are they going to maybe get a high draft pick, lottery pick? Are they maybe even going to try to move on from John Morant after this off season? They don't have much outside of John Morant, really, at all. They have Jaron Jackson. They have Desmond Bain. But you see how they played in those first 25 games, Adam. It wasn't good. And they're going to play not good anymore, it seems like. So they're going to get that high lottery pick. Let's see what they do from there. This Grizzlies franchise. Bad news for the NBA. Draymond Green also back with the Golden State Warriors from his suspension. Good to see you right there. Glad to have you back, Draymond. And then Fell. What a great wild card round weekend we had. But before that, let's talk about some head coaching. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots and their partnership after over two decades of being together. Wow. Bill Belichick out as the New England Patriots head coach. They hired Gerard Mayo, great hire. Bill Belichick, gone. And Pete Carroll, also gone from Seattle Seahawks. Might stay on in an advisory role. We'll have to see, but a little bit surprising right there. Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, both gone. First week, NFL coaching carousel. So, Texans, what a great win they had over the Cleveland Browns. Two pick sixes. C.J. Stroud looks like a season pro, looks like a Hall of Famer. He looked great in that game. C.J. Stroud, very great career above him. This is just his first season in an almost rebuilding type of season for the Houston Texans with the roster they had. This roster is only going to get better over C.J. Stroud's career. It's not outlandish to think that C.J. Stroud will be a Hall of Famer, that Texans will win multiple Super Bowls, and they can potentially be a dynasty in the future, whether that starts this season or in the future. Houston Texans are coming, everybody. Kansas City Chiefs also play on Saturday against the Miami Dolphins. Great game we had right there in the cold. Miami Dolphins made it a little bit interesting at halftime. The big touchdown to Tyree Kill. But about from there, Chiefs just controlled the game well. They didn't go for the massive plays. They ran the ball a little bit. Good plays, good smart play calling in the cold. That's why I love to see Chiefs over the Dolphins. Packers, whoo, question every Cowboys fan, or should I call them, Cowgirl fans' dreams. That game right there, the Cowboys, if you want to call them that, what a terrible game that was right there. America's team, America's team just got slaughtered on national television by the Green Bay Packers with a, you could say, rookie quarterback, Jordan Love. His first full season starting, Jordan Love, who went 9-8, lost to the New York Giants, lost to to Las Vegas Raiders, lost to the Denver Broncos, and this guy just went out in the playoffs, pretty much brought this team back from the dead in the month of December, beating the Chiefs, beating some other good teams, and now they're into the divisional round. What a great win that was for the Dallas Cowboys. NFL was probably noticed right there that Jordan Love is the next franchise quarterback for this Green Bay Packers franchise. Whew, exciting stuff right there. Detroit Lions, a little bit of their happy ending. They get right here with the Matthew Stafford trade. Matthew Stafford, for years, you could say, oh, he won the trade because they won a Super Bowl. The Lions got Jared Goff. The Lions got Jameer Gibbs. Lions got a lot of great things out of that trade. So it's a good thing right there. Win-win trade for both sides. Detroit, they get their first playoff win the century. And for the Rams, they get a Super Bowl three seasons ago. Good to see right there for the Lions and the Rams. 24-23. Couldn't ask for a better football game. Better return from Matthew Stafford to Detroit. Buffalo Bills. Kind of an up and down game right there. They were up by a lot at halftime. Then they kind of collapse a little bit. Then they find their groove in the late second half. Get that win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're moving on. The Steelers put up a fight. Mason Rudolph really didn't expect to be in the playoffs right here. But they put up a fight. Bills moving on to play the Chiefs. They picked that game last. And Square Sports NFL Game Day. Excited for that game. Buccaneers they took down Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. If the Eagles side thinks, what happened this season? What happened? Because you're looking in November, and you're 10-1. You get a great win over the Kansas City Chiefs. You're saying, whoa, they can win the Super Bowl. They only have one loss. They just beat the team, not beat them in the Super Bowl last year. They might just win the Super Bowl with the roster they have, with the offensive line they have, with the running backs they have, with the receivers they have. They just got Shaquille Leonard. They just got Julio Jones. It all collapsed. Maybe it was that Niners game where the Niners destroyed the Eagles and Nick Bosa said, hey, we just put the blueprint on how to beat Philadelphia Eagles, which they most certainly did. This Buccaneers defense went crazy on this Eagles offense. Buccaneers offense, Baker Mayfield were slicing and dicing that Eagles secondary all game. Great to see. That was a great Wild Card weekend we had. We'll be talking more about it in Squared Sports NFL Game Day, picking those matches. Last thing in the headlines, Australian Open getting underway right now. First Grand Slam of the tennis season. Stay tuned. Still more to come. On episode 53. Now, Schoolyard Sports NFL game day will last. Schoolyard Sports NFL game days for the 2023-2024 NFL season. Let's get into it. Four great divisional round games we have. First one: Ravens versus the Texans. Lamar Jackson. They get one week's rest. So just shout one crew playoff win. Lamar Jackson. One career playoff win. If Lamar Jackson and the Ravens don't win this game, it's a horrible look, horrible look, for A, John Harbaugh, who has Super Bowl win, and B, Lamar Jackson. You can win as many games you want in the regular season. You can win as many MVPs you want in your career. But CJ Stroud in his rookie season now has more playoff wins than you. Baker Mayfield, as of right now, actually has more playoff wins than Lamar Jackson. That's not going to happen, though. Let's go with the Ravens over the Houston Texans. Ravens get that win. I just think the Ravens are more... Well put together, Mike McDonald, one of the best defense coordinators in the game. Todd Munkin, also a great offense coordinator. And to piece it all together, you have John Harbaugh. You have this amazing defense led by Roquan Smith. You have Lamar Jackson. You have the receivers, Zay Flowers. They're going to get it done. Ravens over the Texans. Next game, Packers versus the Niners. Now Aaron Jones, friend of the show, played great on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. Aaron Jones, known for years, great person, had him on the radio show, had him on this show. But this is a business decision right here. Let's go with the San Francisco 49ers take down Green Bay Packers. Niners can take down the Green Bay Packers. Seems like the Packers killers in the playoff. The rules are a bit flipped right now because it's always been Packers. They're the number one seed. They're the great team. The Niners are the team that always squeak into the playoff, and they end the Packers playoff dreams. Now, a little bit different. Packers, the team that snuck in there, the team that took down the Dallas Cowboys, which the Niners did two years ago. It's almost the exact same blueprint or exact same situation, you could say, that they were in two years ago, except it's flipped. Two years ago, we had Packers, number one seed. We had Niners, the seventh seed. Niners took down the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, went up to the Tundra, frozen Tundra in Green Bay, took down Green Bay Packers. Now it's a little bit flipped right here. I'm still going to go with the Niners. My Super Bowl prediction, my preseason, trying it out. Lions versus the Buccaneers. These two teams played down in Tampa earlier in the season, and the Lions destroyed Baker Mayfield and his Buccaneers. Now this is a different Buccaneers team, but this game's up in Detroit. The Lions fans, they loved winning the playoff game last week. They want to do it again. Lions over the Buccaneers. And the final one, Chiefs versus the Bills. Andy Reid, amazing head coach. Sean McDermott, also an amazing head coach. You have the great quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. You have the cold-weather climate in Buffalo, but the Chiefs are used to that. I think what separates this game for everybody is the Lions. Offensive lines and defensive lines. and I have the Bills winning that battle. I love Andy Reid, friend of the show. Had him on a few months ago, but this is also a business decision. Let's go with the Bills over the Chiefs. I have James Cook, brother of Dalvin Cook, having a great game, cementing his playoff legacy right here, getting the Bills into the Conference Championship. This is a great quarterback rivalry that we always love to talk about. And this is the third time in the last four playoffs they're facing off. Bills and the Chiefs. Love to see it. Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Josh Allen hasn't got to get Mahomes yet. Now they have one up at home for the first time against this Kansas City Chiefs squad. They're not going to lose it. Bills in the Conference Championship. Set everybody. I have Bills Ravens next week and I have 49ers versus the Lions. That's about Squared Sports and Full Game Day. Now, top five. This week's top five is the top five teams in college basketball as of right now. If you're not watching college basketball season, I'm here to catch up right here with this top five, top five teams in college basketball. I don't care what the AP poll says. I don't care what you think top five teams should be. This is my ranking. I'm going to get into it right here. Top five teams in college basketball. Might not agree with it. Let's see. Number five, Duke Blue Devils. Three losses on the season. One, at home, at camera indoor to the Arizona Wildcats, we are one of the top teams in the country right now. One, Arkansas. That was an SEC ACC challenge. And one, Georgia Tech on the road. But they just beat Georgia Tech again. So it's kind of bouncing out right there. In Arkansas, that was a road game. You have a hostile environment. After that, tough loss Georgia Tech. You think about it right there. That's kind of separated that Duke team for a little bit, set them back in the AP pool, back number 20. But this team is number two preseason. They're rolling right now. Kyle Filipowski playing great. Mark Mitchell playing pretty well. Tyrese Proctor, they're getting healthy at the right time. I think they're a great team. Five, Duke Blue Devils. But four, their arch nemesis, North Carolina, Tar Heels, North Carolina has been amazing this season, and it's kind of what they need. Hubert Smith really got rid of that, some of that, I'll say, toxicness in that locker room from a guy like Caleb Love. Now they're just rolling with the point guard, R.J. Davis. They have Armando Baycott. Some of these guys really stepping up. They had a great season two years ago, made it to that NCAA now championship game, and never expected that they would have the same exact result next season because everybody was coming back. It wasn't even close to that result. Caleb Love had a bad season. Leaky Black had a bad season. Armando Baycott was lackluster, but Armando Baycott came back. R.J. Davis came back, and they got a few great guys in the portal, so they're playing really well right now. Harrison Ingram, big addition for them. Four, North Carolina Tar Heels. Number three, UConn Huskies. UConn, the number one AP poll right now, but that's a little bit off of what we saw from them last season and win the National Championship. I don't see why UConn, who has the same record as Kansas, who Kansas wiped the floor with, should be ranked above them. So I have Kansas above UConn, and I have Purdue above UConn right now because I think Purdue's a great team. Let's see who I pick between two, one between Purdue and Kansas. I think UConn's a good team. They're just not number one or number two for me. Here's my number one and my number two teams. My number two team in the country is the Purdue Bullmakers, and I have Kansas. Number one, you want to hear why? Well, Kansas was a great team all season. Only two losses on the season. One to UCF and one to Marquette. A few close games. TCU game, they should maybe lost. Hunter Dickinson, very clutch for them right there. That's the difference. A guy like Hunter Dickinson. Purdue, they have a great center. Zach Eady, one of the best players in the country. I would say Zach Eady has a little bit of an edge over Hunter Dickinson, but they're both elite centers, both battled a lot in the Big Ten. Biggest difference right here between these two teams. You take Zach Eady out of the game, what does Purdue have? They have some decent yards. You take Hunter Dickinson out of the game for Kansas, I think they survive better in the NCAA tournament game, whatever it might be. In the NCAA tournament national championship, I would take Kansas over Purdue. Not because Edie isn't better than Hunter Dickinson. He is, as of right now. I just think Kansas, more well-rounded, more used to the NCAA tournament environment, more use to the experience, while Matt Painter, Purdue team, really isn't. So Kansas, number one for me. That's about my top five teams in college basketball. Now, everyone loves to call Bill Belichick the elite talent evaluator, the best guy in the game for evaluating talent. I'm going to show you something right here. This is the Did You Know for the Week. I'm going to show you something right here. Maybe Bill Belichick was scouted for guys to be head coaches rather than actual football players because Bill Belichick, in his time in New England, actually drafted more head coaches than he did at 1,000-yard receivers. Only 1,000-yard receiver he drafted in his time in New England was Julian Edelman. And for head coaches, he drafted Cliff Kingsbury, when He was a player. He drafted Kevin O'Connell, a Vikings head coach, when he was a player, and he drafted Gerard Mayo, now New England Patriots head coach. Little Funky right there, Bill Belichick. Were you for these guys to be head coaches or are you for them to be football players? A little bit of a funny, did you know right there? Leave your thoughts on that in the comments. Now it's that time of year, everybody. It's the NFL head coaching carousel. We got a lot of openings, maybe one opening that isn't open yet. But I'm gonna give you a head coach who I think should be coaching this team next season. Hint: It's the Dallas Cowboys. You have to see who I want to coach Dallas Cowboys next season. Mike McCarthy, it's not you. Let's go. Los Angeles Chargers, the first team. Jim Harbaugh pains me so much as a Dyer Michigan fan, but Jim Harbaugh. What's the red flag? Forty-four and nineteen in the NFL. Franchise quarterback, Justin Herbert. Good enough defense with stars like Derwin James. You have a great defense coordinator at Michigan, Jesse Minner, who has coached in the NFL before. That is a perfect defense coordinator in the NFL for the Los Angeles Chargers. Pays me as a Michigan fan. This hurts me so much to bring up all these points. You need a great quarterback in Justin Herbert, and he has that. Andrew Luck was so great in that Jim Harbaugh system. J.J. McCarthy was so great in that Jim Harbaugh system. Why can't Justin Herbert be like that? Austin Eckler plays very similar to, say, a Blake Corum at Michigan. That plays great for the Jim Harbaugh, plays great for the Chargers. There is no red flag right here for the Chargers hiring Jim Harbaugh. And for Jim Harbaugh, the only thing I'll say right here is, why wouldn't you want to stay at Michigan forever? Because say you go to the NFL, you complete your goal at the Chargers, you win a Super Bowl within three to five years, whatever it might be. Where do you go from there? Do you really want to coach the Los Angeles Chargers your whole entire football career? Probably not. So what happens after that? Does he retire at the ripe age of 61, 63, whatever he might be by then? Or not, because that Michigan job won't be open anymore. Because I think if he's really thinking about where do I want to be long-term, sure, NFL would be amazing to be at, but am I going to regret this when I accomplish my goal in five years to leave that great university in Michigan? I want Harbaugh to think about it right there, if he sees this. That's my take right there. I think Chargers should hire Jim Harbaugh. For Jim Harbaugh, think about your decision. Falcons, Bill Belichick, this is perfect. Now, he may not get full GM control, but he's going to get some from a good owner. Like Arthur Blank, works out well. Only interview Bill has done so far. Bill Belichick to the Falcons. Raiders, if you don't hire Antonio Pierce, this whole team is just going to erupt. It's a madness. Devonta Adams is going to request a trade to the Jets, whoever it might be. Max Crosby is going to request a trade. Everyone's going to want out from this team. You have no quarterback. You have no plan right now. These guys won when they were playing with Antonio Pierce. Why not run it back? Antonio Pierce, don't make the same mistake you did two times. Las Vegas Raiders did it back in 2021. Rich Bissialka, when you fire John Gruden, that guy led you to the playoffs. Nice special teams coordinator for the Packers. You let him go. Don't let Antonio Pierce go. Raiders, Antonio Pierce. Cowboys, here we go. I said this isn't open yet, but I think it should be. Mike McCarthy needs to go. What do you have to show? Okay. Let's think about Mike McCarthy. What do you have to show? First year of 2020, down year. 2021, great year. You win the division. You make the playoffs, and you get stomped in the playoffs. So what's the difference? You get to lose to the 49ers right there. Next year, you make it to the playoffs. Beat Tampa Bay Buccaneers, actually. Good one right there. And you lose to San Francisco 49ers. Another bad loss. And this year, another great season. Win the division again. But you lose to the Green Bay Packers. So what do you have to show right here, Mike McCarthy? Because you've had about three 12-win seasons now, which is great. But there's no participation points in the NFL. Oh, we made the playoffs three times. What did you do in the playoffs? Only one win? What's the difference for me right here? When you're, say, the Washington Commanders, you have the number two pick, you play in the Cowboys division, they played one more game than you this year, Dallas Cowboys, and they're going to get pick 25, whatever it might be. What's the difference of playing one extra game? That's what I'm saying right there. He hasn't done anything for you, Mike McCarthy, because if you're just going to lose in the playoffs first round every year, might as well have a terrible head coach and lose every game and rebuild from there. They need a change of scenery. The perfect head coach for the Dallas Cowboys is Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's in the market. He's a guy who seems like he still wants to keep on coaching. Something the watch right here. Pete Carroll's defense coordinator in Seattle was Dan Quinn. Cowboys' defense coordinator right now is Dan Quinn. Maybe Dan Quinn goes over to be the Seahawks head coach. If not, I think that partnership, Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn will work great. Pete Carroll, Dak Prescott, it sounds perfect. I want it to happen. Let's make it happen. Pete Carroll in Dallas with the Cowboys. Let's get back to the real openings that we have, not just my hypothetical right there with the Cowboys. Seahawks, who are they going to hire? I don't think they hire Dan Quinn. Like I said, Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn, let's hope. I think they hire Mike McDonald, defense coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, did a great time at Michigan for one year as their defense coordinator, and has done a great job with this Baltimore Ravens defense, leading one of the top defenses in the league. Mike McDonald, the Seahawks, they want defensive identity, they don't want pass first, run first ever might be identity. They want defense, wins, championships. That's what Mike McDonald can do for you right there. Mike McDonald to the Seahawks. Commanders, who are they going to hire? They need Change of scenery. They need somebody young. They don't need another coach who just got fired after, you know, having a few successful years, maybe a Bill Belichick, maybe a Mike Vrabel, because that's what they had in Ron Rivera. It didn't work out too well. They need a guy who's never been a head coach before, who's young, who's innovative, and will get the job done with a new quarterback that they draft with number two pick, whether it's Caleb Williams, whether it's Drake May, Jason McCarthy, Michael Penix, whoever it might be. They need somebody young. They need somebody on the offensive side, and that's Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions. What a great job he's done! Ben Johnson has been great with the Detroit Lions. Now, some of that might be Dan Campbell calling some of the plays, but also Ben Johnson's been great. So Ben Johnson to the Commanders, Lions offense coordinator. Next one, Titans. Titans shouldn't have fired Mike Vrabel, but they did fire Mike Vrabel, so now you got to find somebody to hire. If you're looking to develop Will Levis, Malik Willis, whoever might be your franchise quarterback, because I don't know what they're doing right now, you're going to need an offensive mind of head coach. For the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor, you can call him a fraud, you can call him whatever you want. His offense coordinator Brian Callahan is an amazing offense coordinator. The way he brought Jake Browning up to speed after Joe Burrow's horrific injury to end the season, the way he brought up Jake Browning up to speed, to where they were just one game out making the playoffs, pretty solid right there. Brian Callahan over to the Tennessee Titans again. They shouldn't have ridden Mike Vrabel, but they did. Brian Callahan to the Titans. Now, next one and the last one. I thought long and hard about this one. Panthers, are they going to go with Mike Vrabel, who was great with Tennessee Titans? Or they may get want a guy like Todd Munkin, who was at Georgia for a few years, who's been with the Browns, who's now the Ravens' offense coordinator. I think they go with Mike Vrabel. Let me say why. Mike Vrabel, great head coach for a few years with the Titans, knows how to run the football with a great team, knows how to have a good quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Let's see what we can do with Bryce Young. Does Bryce Young need to be developed also a really bad head coach? No. But if you can bring in a good enough offense coordinator, sneaky pick for offense coordinator, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, was the Titans offense coordinator for a few years, did great with Derrick Henry, did great with Ryan Tannehill, led them to the conference championship game. Maybe that works out for you right there. Arthur Smith just got fired from the Falcons. Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel in Carolina. Sounds good to me right there. Mike Vrabel, head coach. Let's go. Tom Munkin doesn't get the job. I got Mike Vrabel taking it in Carolina after his stint in Tennessee. Carolina Panthers get Mike Vrabel. That's about it for NFL head coaching carousel leave your thoughts in the comments do the cowboys fire mike mccarthy to get a pete carroll or maybe a bill belichick where does bill belichick land if you think he goes somewhere else where does antonio pierce land if he doesn't go to the raiders leave all your thoughts and comments now there's a new head man in title town in tuscaloosa alabama after nick saban who we haven't talked about in this episode resigned retired last tuesday Nick Saban, legend of the sport, best college football coach of all time, arguably the greatest football coach of all time. He's gone. He didn't have an heir apparent. He didn't have a guy to be his successor after him because all of Nick Saban's great assistants, Kirby Smart at Georgia, he's not going to leave Georgia. That's the alum. Some other guys who were his assistants, Jamie Pruitt. Jamie Pruitt was a terrible head coach. Like Kiffin, like Kiffin's not going to leave Ole Miss to go to Alabama. So this job was not a great job for a lot of people to have. Mike was interviewed for it. Dan Lanning was interviewed for it. Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, was even interviewed for it. The man they landed on was Kalen DeBoer, who just made the national championship game with Washington. And I have a bone to pick about this selection right here. Now, Kalen DeBoer, great head coach, great guy, seems like a great person. He led Washington to this 14-1 season, to this great season they had, 14-1 national championship. Great. What made you think next year wouldn't be a TCU-type year for Washington? There's no Michael Paige Jr. There's no Dylan Johnson. There's no Romo Dunze. What makes you think that right there? Now, he's going to bring his offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, over with him. To Alabama. But if you think about it, De DeBoer, this is not a guy Alabama fans even knew who he was two years ago. Two years ago, De DeBoer, the guy who just got hired from Fresno to Washington, he's going to be Nick Saban's successor. Who? That's what you're thinking right there. They need somebody more experienced. More t- I don't know who would've, they would have gotten, but De DeBoer, in my opinion... Was not the right selection. And it's not knocking De DeBoer. You had great things going for you at Washington. I don't get why he's hanging over to Alabama. And I get the stats to prove right here. Why Kalen DeBoer? Maybe shouldn't have been the head coach at Alabama for the next few seasons. His record as a head coach in college football is elite. I'll say this right here. 104 wins and 12 losses as a head coach in college football. Now, two of those seasons are at a Division III school. Some of those wins, you know, obviously going against easy teams. And then a few great seasons he had at Fresno and then the two great seasons he had at Washington. But can the success really back it up? Yes, he has all these great wins, all these great games coached as a head coach. But in big-time college football, he's only been that for two years. And he had Chris Peterson's players. Chris Peterson, head coach of Washington in 2019. When he retired, he said, everybody, you guys should stay. Don't enter the transfer portal. Great. Jamie Lake had those guys for two years, and they stayed. He got Romo Dunes. He got some of these guys to come to Washington. Now De DeBoer steps in, in 2021, 2022, and he gets Michael Peggs Jr., great quarterback, but he still has that guy, Romo Dunes, who came from the Chris Pearson era. Some of these guys came from the Chris Pearson era. I'll say that right there. The only additions Kalen DeBoer made to this Washington football team were Michael Peggs Jr. and Dylan Johnson, and maybe a little bit of scheme, you could say, but they had all the talent. He had all the players. Can Kalen DeBoer recruit? Because this is Alabama. This is a place that is not Miami where it's just flashiness. When you think of Alabama, you think of Nick Saban. You think of all the championships. When you look at Kalen DeBoer, if he doesn't get to go in Alabama in three years, are they just another regular SEC program? That's nothing. Because what attracts you to Alabama? It's not Tuscaloosa. It's boring in Tuscaloosa. It's Nick Saban. It's the titles. It's everything like that. So for Kalen DeBoer, you got to establish that legacy right there. And can you get those good players? Because I'm looking at right here, Kellen DeBoer's recruiting classes in his time at Washington. First year at Washington, 2022, just got hired. December needs to put together a class really quick. 95th in the nation. Whew, pretty bad right there. But just got hired. Let's give him some time. 2023, these guys played this season. 26 in the country. It's pretty good for a Pac-12 team. But when you're looking at Alabama, you want number one. You want best in the country. And for Alabama, you're on the East Coast. You're recruiting guys from the South. Kalen DeBoer is from Northwest, whatever it might be. He's from South Dakota. I don't love this pick right here. 2024, 36th in the nation. So he actually regressed for this year for Washington, 36th in the nation. And what brought them up to that 26th ranking in 2023 was their quarterback, freshman Austin Mack, who's actually transferring right now. Let's see if he goes over to Alabama. That's not great right there. 36 this year in the country for recruiting. 95 his first year. 26 last year. This is Alabama. It can fall off quickly if you don't get things going. Now, you have the legacy of Bear Bryant. You have the legacy of Nick Saban. What happens when Kellen DeBoer doesn't establish his legacy? Alabama can fall apart like that. You look at Nebraska. Nebraska was a great program for so many years, but then they collapsed. You had a coach, and that's just middle of Nebraska, middle of America. What attracts Nebraska? Nothing, really, nothing. That's what can happen with Alabama right here. That's why I'm nervous about this Kellen Nabor hire. Just wanted you to all know, Kalen DeBoer is not the right man for the Alabama job. You had things going for you at Washington. Why are you leaving? I don't get it. Maybe he knows. Maybe he knows that I am nothing without Michael Panks Jr. I am nothing without this team I had this year in Romo Dunes. Michael Panks Jr., Dylan Johnson. All these great guys. I was only there for two years. Had Chris Peterson's players. That's my take in Kalen DeBoer. Come at me. Say what you want. Bring the facts. Here I am. That's back for my spotlight this week. Now, the Australian Open, the first Grand Slam of the tennis season, is now underway. you got your top seeds, Novak Djokovic, greatest tennis player of all time, you could say. Rafael Nadal did have to step out, not be able to play, withdraw from the Australian Open. Seemed like he was going to make his return, then pulls a muscle two weeks before the tournament while he was in Australia getting ready for it. So, pretty tough to see right there. One of the greatest tennis players of all time, Rafael Nadal. Let's see. Is this his career? Is it over from right here? Is Novak Djokovic just going to take that GOAT title from Roger, from Rafael Nadal. Maybe some new guys who can come up, maybe steal that Novak Djokovic legacy in the next 20 years. You like Carlos Alcaraz, who beat Novak Djokovic at Wimbledon, who now has two grand slams Carlos Alcaraz, the future of sports. Not just tennis, sports. Daniil Medvedev, always been solid in his career, number three seed in this tournament, actually beat Alcaraz at the U.S. Open. Medvedev, amazing, in Australia. Almost won it in 2022 against Rafael Nadal, Lost in that five-set, heartbreaker right there. But for Novak Djokovic, Won this tournament last year, Get Stefano into A lot of great guys in this year's tournament as well. Outside Novak Djokovic, you look at Ben Shelton, the American, who made the semifinals of the US Open, still alive right now in the Australian Open. Time is recording. But my prediction for the winner of the Australian Open, after that breakdown of some of the top guys right there, is Carlos Alcaraz will win the Australian Open. When you look at what Carlos Alcaraz has done on hard court, he's one of the fastest players in the game, one of the fastest players of all time on hard court. He can give Novak Djokovic some trouble. I like to call it when you're on hard court. It's kind of even playing field. Some of these guys, they know how to maneuver their way around clay. You look at Rafael Nadal, the king of clay. He knows how to beat someone like Carlos Alcaraz or Novak Djokovic on clay. You look at Novak Djokovic on grass. He's elite. He knows how to move around there. When some guys don't. For hardcourt, it's the level playing field. You go to a regular tennis court and wherever you live, it's going to be hardcourt. That's the Australian Open is right now. Novak Djokovic had a tough first-round match. Longest first-round match of his career in a Grand Slam. Four hours. That was against one of the worst seeds in the tournament. So, be concerning right there for Novak Djokovic, and then Carlos Alcaraz gets his third career Grand Slam. Doesn't let Novak get that another Australian Open. I think he's up to about eleven right now. Novak Djokovic, GOAT. You can call him a tennis, but Carlos Alcaraz gets his Grand Slam win right here. That's about for my Australian Open predictions. Ohio State, Nerd Dame, Texas, Alabama, Missouri, Louisville, Texas A&M. In Miami, you're like, why did you just name however many different colleges right now? Those are the teams that are in tier one of NIL for college football. They have a collective of 10 million plus. They are the guys who are going to get everybody from high school recruiting. They are the guys who, if you enter the transfer portal and you want NIL money, you're looking at tier one of these teams of college football. Now, a lot of great teams aren't in tier one, and some teams you wouldn't expect to be in tier one are. For example. Texas A&M, Miami, and Louisville. These teams all had terrible seasons. Louisville didn't have a terrible season, but Louisville is not a program you would expect to be up here in Tier 1 of NIL. So let's look at Tier 2 of NIL in college football right now. Nebraska, Michigan State, Washington, Georgia, Kentucky, USC, Oklahoma State, and South Carolina. Those schools have an NIL collective of between 5 and 10 million, and Tier 1 is above 10 million. Now let's look at Tier 3. You're thinking, where are the national champions? Where are the Michigan Wolverines when it comes to NIL? Because they have all these great players. Why don't they just transfer? When you think about it, Michigan football in the past few years hasn't had many five stars. The only five stars they've had in the past few years, I think the last five star Michigan had was Will Johnson, and Will Johnson's entering his junior season of college football right now. That's a been concerning for Michigan football, in my opinion. But tier three is Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, UCLA, Iowa, Indiana, North Carolina, Clemson, and Vanderbilt. So you think about NIL for a second. Is it changing college sports? Because for Louisville, when you think, well, they're getting all these good transfers, maybe Jeff Brom's just a great transfer recruiter. No. It's really that Jeff Brom knows how to get NIL money done, knows that Louisville is going to give him his NIL money that they need. For Miami, you're saying, why would this top player want to go to Miami after the terrible seasons they had? Look no further than Tier 1 of NIL. a same thing. Remember when Jimbo Fisher was getting Walter Nolan? When Jimbo Fisher was getting Denver Harris, when he was getting Evan Stewart, Jake Johnson, all these five stars to come to Texas a and You need to look no further than NIL. Why does Eli Drinkwitz get Luther Burden, number one receiver in the country, when they had 4-1 the season before? Why does he get Theo Weiss to come back? Why does he get all these great players to come back from Missouri? Look no further than tier one of NIL that is changing College sports for the worse. For Texas, Isaiah Bond enters the transfer portal and commits to Texas. And Lane Kiffin actually tweets. It says, headline, Alabama star wide receiver transfers to Texas. Lane Kiffin says, let me correct that for you. Alabama star wide receiver gets Lamborghini, goes to Texas. That's what NIL is. So when you're not one of the best players in college football, Caleb Williams, when it doesn't matter how much you get from a collective, you're just going to get your Beats deal, you're going to get your Nike deal, whatever it might be, then it doesn't matter if you're right there. But when you say a Kenneth Grant on Michigan, who's one of the best defense tackles of the country, but doesn't have a massive name, but a team like Texas, a team like Alabama would love to have him on their team. You look no further than a collective. Michigan's collective doesn't work out right now because it's an LLC. People aren't going to want to donate to the LLC that Michigan football collective has. It's a little bit different. Michigan football's collective. It's an LLC, like I said, when all the other ones are a 501 C3. That's what's ruining Michigan football right now when it comes to NIL. They had the one-more-year fund that brought back Blake Corm, that brought back Cornelius Johnson, that brought back Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinner, all these great guys. But this season, it's not happening. Nobody's coming back for one more year. Only four guys. Rod Moore, Macari Page, Dom Networks, and Josiah Stewart. So it's a little bit concerning right here for College Sports. I don't just want to talk about Michigan football. But like I said, once a guy who doesn't have the biggest name, Juice Wells, doesn't have the biggest name, so, he's not going to get that Nike deal. He's not going to get that amazing deal. But a team like Ole Miss would love to have him. And that's why Ole Miss got him through NIL, through the portal. These teams are poaching players that aren't even in the portal yet. And it's ruining college football. And look no further than tier one, tier two, and tier three of college football. Because there's no reason a powerhouse like Michigan, one of the biggest universities in the world, should be in tier three. While someone, say Louisville or Missouri, should be in tier one, ruining college football. That's about mad buzzer this week. Think about that. Think about NIL. Just gave you the facts on it. That's about for at the buzzer. Now, the best will ask, question day. Who in the NBA do you want to see traded before the NBA trade deadline? For me, I'm going to say Pascal Siakam. Who do you want to see traded before the deadline next month? Leave your answer in the comments. That's about for question day. That's about it from Sports with Lane Frank. Episode one fifty three. Thank you for tuning in. Follow Squared Sports on Instagram at Squared Sports. Follow Squared Sports on Twitter at Squared Sport. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the best sports content in the world. We'll be back here next week, episode one fifty four. Stay tuned.